When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the podcast that's genetically superior to all the others. This week on Heart and Hand, it's another International Week question and answer pod. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host as always and uh, as is now becoming the tradition during International Week, I am the guest as well. So I'll be sitting chatting to you here, answering questions that we've encouraged you guys to send in to us over the last week or so and you really did respond. There are an awful lot, so if I don't get to your question, I do apologise. There will be some bonus content, however, uh, so if you go to our new YouTube page, just go to YouTube and search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, and also please subscribe. If you throw us a uh, subscribe, then you'll always be notified when new videos come on. There'll be a little bonus of questions not answered on this pod, and you'll get to see my my uh, beautiful mug that's uh, so genetically perfect, Gordon Strachan thinks it could qualify for the Euros, I'm sure. So with that, might as well just get stuck right into it then. If the questions are rubbish, the, the usual uh, get-me-out-of-jail-free card I'm going to play early, which is kind of it's your fault. So if you've asked really boring questions and I give really boring answers, then find out who sent them. They'll be there on social media and you can go and lambast the person for not being more interesting and send them your hate tweets. That's that's probably the, the best way. So kicking us off is Callum. What's your best 11 that you've physically seen play for Rangers? Well, I got into trouble with this a few weeks ago because uh, Rangers asked me this for the programme and it's quite difficult to do it on the spot when somebody just said, name your best 11 because you go blank. Uh, it's kind of like when you were a kid in school and the teacher says, draw a picture of something and you, you go totally totally blank and the only thing you can think of is a tree because you can see it out the window and that's why if you go to primary schools there's like 30 drawings of trees up on the wall. Maybe one wee guy with imagination just drawing a car. But uh, I, I made a mistake when I was naming it so I'll just name my team now with the mistake rectified. In goals, Andy Gorham, 
Left back John Brown. Centre halves uh, Richard Goff and Ammo, just because I loved Ammo so much. Right back, of course, the SMO Gary Stevens. Midfield would be Brian Loudrop on the right, Gaza, Graham Soonis, and David Cooper on the left. Up front, McCoyst and Haley. And I blanked really badly when they asked me that for the programme, and I said Barry Ferguson, and I still think Barry Ferguson would form an excellent midfield partnership with Graham Sooners. I don't think there's much getting through there. I also think um, he'd be able to sit there. This is Barry at his best, kind of Barry 2002-2003. But, yeah, you how you how can you not include Gaza, the the amount of highs that that guy gave me watching watching Rangers? So that's my one to 11. Don't ask me to start dicking about for subs, but... You know, just know that Dan Egan would be there. John McLean, what is your take on the Kenny Earl situation? Is it fair or not? Is he a snitch? Have we seen the last of him? Is this another PLG scenario? I think the risk of it being another PLG scenario has gone in the, the immediacy. I don't think it's going to be something which begins a massive a massive change the way that that did. That, that really was the catalyst that forced everything to a head, whereas if that was going to be the case, it would have happened by now. It would have happened last week. So I don't believe that that's the situation we find ourselves in. He is back training with the first team, which would indicate that the manager will at least consider using him. I, I think Kenny's form wasn't, wasn't such that he could realistically be upset about not being in the squad currently he's been very very poor this season is he a snitch nobody knows I've heard contrasting reports one way or the other but what I would say is clearly if the manager believed he was he wouldn't be around the first team in any capacity because there would be no no point you couldn't feel you could say anything to him and I think I've talked about this before but leaks will come out football clubs because there's too many people and Unless you physically catch the person doing it, or the journalist will say to you, yes, it was person A, which no journalist should ever do, you shouldn't give up your sources, then you're not going to find out. So you have to take people at their word, and if the manager has asked him and he has said, no, it wasn't me, then you have to you have to take that on board and, and move on with it. I don't think Pedro and Kenny Miller are ever going to be sending each other Christmas cards when their respective employment at Ibrox ends. I think that's a certainty. But I don't know whether or not this is a full-blown, it's him or me. And given Kenny Miller's age, you need to remember with Ferguson, his importance to the team, length of his contract, the size of it, he was a difficult man to get rid of. And he did carry a lot of support with the with the fans, whereas I'm not sure that Miller is popular enough to, to win a battle with a manager, even a manager who's not currently delivering the level of success that, that we'd hoped for. So I don't think it's a an exact replication of that. There are similarities, of course. Alan Cumming, any plans to do more ex-player interviews after the success of the Kevin Thompson episode? If so, who? Well, I mean, I'm open to anybody. There's so many ex-players I'd love to sit and chat to. It'll be a case of who will be willing to do it, first of all, because you can draw up a wish list and they might they might say no. And it'll be a, a case of those who would be willing to kind of submit to being asked questions that are a wee bit different from the norm. If you look at the Kevin one, he was very open and honest and didn't give us sort of off-part answers or try not to 
to or try to be kind of politically correct within football circles. He just told us the truth, and that's what I think made it work. And if you enjoyed that, incidentally, our next live show will feature Kevin Thompson. So that's something to look forward to. So keep an eye out for that. I know people have been upset in the past but not being able to get tickets. Well, you'll be able to get tickets for this one. And uh, one of it you'll see is, is Daft Fanboy Edgar interviewing Kevin Thompson. And I, I'm hoping that it will be a bit like going to see a comedian where you might know some of the stuff he's going to say, but you want to hear him say it anyway. And I think there's one particular story from that Kevin Thompson episode and one particular line that uh, would be fantastic for everyone to be in a room and, and hearing and see him say that. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Just keep your eyes peeled for that, uh, the, the Kevin Thompson takeover. Callum, what's the best 90-minute performance you've seen us play and what is your favourite 90-minute performance from us? Best, that's a tough one because I've seen some crackers, obviously, over the years. The 5-1 victory over Celtic um, in 1988 was a tremendous performance. We just got about them that day. It was It was wonderful. To, to watch us do that, we actually destroyed them. Less famous games that spring to mind. In Dick Advocate's first season, not long into his reign, we went to Kilmarnock um, during that ridiculous Sunday 5 past 6 kickoff TV spot. Um, we beat a good Kilmarnock side 5-0 and we were fantastic. And it was just the closest you'll see a Scottish side to playing the Dutch style of total football. We were absolutely tremendous that day and, and not many could have lived with us. It was a, a fantastic performance that sticks in my mind. From that team also, the 2-0 victory over uh, Borussia Dortmund, which of course we cocked up in the second leg, but the first leg we, we played some some really tremendous stuff that night. Most enjoyable 90 minutes, well, it, it's it's very difficult to escape big victories over, over Celtic, and I'd, I'd have to say when we won the treble at the Piggery, that that ninety minutes was great because it, it had everything. It had a wonderful virtuoso display from from a Rangers player, Neil McCann. It had strength. It had somebody trying to fight us and not being able to beat us in a fight, which I love to see in a Rangers team. It had comedy, timness all the way through it. It had a guy skydiving from the top of the stand. It had a complete meltdown of only. Only one club in the world proportions, and it was you know just 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 a fabulous a fabulous day because it showed us at our best and it showed them at, at their worst and that's pretty much what I want from open form matches you know uh, leave them leave them in tears and and listen to the lamentations of their women that's that's always my plan going into an old firm game. Doug Country, who have you unfollowed on Twitter after they unexpectedly posted something bigging up the Tims? I've been fortunate enough that hasn't happened to me because I don't have a. I'm not. I don't follow a lot of people on Twitter. I, I keep it as a sort of more, more orderly way to get my news. So luckily, I've never seen anyone come in with a an unexpected one. Because also, what what counts as unexpected when you see, when you see uh, newspapers doing it, you're sort of you're sort of expectant of it, and uh, and it's Scotland. You should. We should be blessed automatically as people with a Timdar and you should be able to, as soon as someone starts speaking or starts tweeting or comes in the room, you should be able to know, you you know, your antenna should twitch and you should just go, ah, he's a sympathiser. And if you don't have that working, then you should go to your doctor and say, doctor, I, I'm afraid that uh, as a as a, a Rangers supporter, my Timdar seems to be a little offline and, and don't worry, he'll be, he'll be able to fix that for you. 
Craig R. Morton, are you confident we will win the league before they win 10 in a row? Yes. And someone dug me up about this. Someone asked me, oh, how can you say this? You know, they've got this, they've got that. It's called faith. It's a big part of being a football fan. And if you don't believe it, then why are why are you bothered doing it? Firstly, things change very rapidly in football, and we've seen it often enough. We saw it with us in the 90s. We saw it with us in the early 2000s. We saw it with Celtic in the early 2000s. Um, we saw it with us under Walter the second time round. Things can change remarkably quickly. At the moment, Celtic are miles and miles ahead of us. I absolutely understand that. And for us to bridge the gap, we'll need to get better, and they'll need to get worse. But the good thing about football is that sort of thing happens quite a lot so there's no inevitability about it but I don't understand why you would be a supporter of a football club and not have that dream sitting there at the back of your mind and also I'm a Rangers fan and I will never ever go into a tournament with the possible exception of a European one but certainly a domestic one not thinking we should win this and I I don't ever want to not have that either I, I, I think that's an essential part of us maintaining standards at a time when it might be easy to slip below them and I do understand the counter argument to that of people saying but you know that that's fine that's all just a wish list it's airy fairy nonsense yes it is I, I understand that I could give you my reasons for it um, none of which are scientific but things like I believe hubris kicks in to successful clubs and I think that'll happen at Celtic I believe that we're getting gradually less and less comedic and more and more professional, more slowly than we would like, more slowly than than any of us would be comfortable with, but but it's happening, and you can see that it's happening. So from that point of view, I think that we will bridge the gap, but yes, the counter-argument is, well, I'm sure Liverpool fans thought they'd have won the league by by this time when they won the league in 1990. Absolutely correct there. You can't yet. You have to strike a balance between blind faith, which is no, we're going to do it. I don't want to hear any arguments past it, which some people want to have, and then the other side of the coin, which is people who want to break football down into far too mathematical a thing of just saying, well, look at the reasons here. I can provide you. You know, those finances. They have these players. They have this. They have that. Therefore, they are going to it. You can't do that. Football is such a wonderful sport, exactly because you can't do that. Things change. Things change rapidly. Will Rangers win the league in the next six months? I, I doubt it. I highly doubt it. But can we win it in the next three years? I, I believe we can. And you know, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to do that, unless it's a case of protecting yourself, which I do get. You know, Actually, I'm being unfair. I do get that. Where you want to prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment. And then you can say, well, at least you can say, well, I always knew anyway. But do that to yourself. You know, life's too short. Just, you know, believe it. Dream it. And let's let's see if the power of osmosis of Rangers fans collectively believing something can, can alter the psychic conscious of the universe and push us a little bit closer. It's got to be worth a shout, right? Tom McDavid, gut feeling, will Pedro still be manager by the end of the season? If not, will we replace him with a safe appointment? That is one hell of a question. First half of it, in particular. Second half, yes, incidentally. We will replace him with a safe appointment if he was to be fired, because that's always what football clubs do, not just us, international teams as well. You jump from the opposite 
of what you have had previously that didn't work so you tend to swing back maybe too far the other way and vice versa and I think that having had uh, an untried foreign manager someone that people didn't know much about I think that the board would then play safe and get someone in that no one could criticise them for that no one could say well that's a bit left field I think they would get someone in that was steady and unspectacular but people could see the logic for it and say, well, it's quite a sensible appointment. I think that that's common to all football clubs, not just us, that they swing between these, if you like, the more ambitious flight of fancy hirings and then the the more sober, reliable, less flamboyant managerial signings. So will he still be managed by the end of the season? <laughs> Oh, gut feeling is telling me no, but I hope I'm wrong. But that's gut feeling. I I, I don't know because again, it's it's still in the melting pot. If he went on a run, five wins in a row, it suddenly clears everything up. You have to be realistic though and say if he goes on a run of three defeats, one draw, and one win in the next five games, he'll likely be out. And given a form, which one of those two is more likely? Yeah, I I hope not. I really hope he's still here because someone else asked if if he's the man that's gonna bring fifty five and and he'd said I'm sorry I don't have your name to hand mate but he said that I really want it to be and I think that that's a phrase that echoes. I think there's a lot of Rangers supporters out there who feel the same way because of the way Pedro conducts himself. He's quite a classy guy and because of the treatment he's had as well. That that's something because of the the fairly abysmal treatment he's had from the press and and a lot of people in this country we'd love to see him do well but at the moment yeah and you just said gut feeling so uh, no no scientific basis for it that that's just my my feeling as i sit here today copeland does have you ever owned a hugo boss top no i have owned a couple of hugo boss and currently own a couple of hugo boss suits because that's what they make um t-shirts and stuff no Kendall, have you always disliked international football? Did something put you off? No Scotland strips when you were away. No, I haven't always disliked international football. Uh, I loved it as a kid in particular. And nothing, there was no specific incident that put me off where I, I went, right, I'm not into this anymore. And as a kid, yes, Scotland strips had the 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 an old version from my big cousin because he used to get hand-me-down strips certainly where I lived and uh, so I had that kind of Scotland 78 one I had the 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 82 blue one and then my very favourite the uh, Davy Cooper in Cardiff 86 one with the with the shorts with the band in it I absolutely loved that top had that the blue and the yellow and even into the early 90s and, and through Euro 96 and stuff I remember being like a big Scotland fan and, and would go go to Scotland matches and, and whatnot, and it was kind of in the late 90s and I told the story before it was one particular game with Belgium where I re- it wasn't something that caused it I just realised that I didn't care and it had been gradually growing on me and I I don't know, I've, I've never really tried to analyse it to say, well, you know, why did this happen? Because it was always Rangers in Scotland, everyone I knew was their team in Scotland, but Rangers in Scotland, obviously, more of the people I knew. I actually think, believe it or not, and this was before all the, the shit that's happened to us in the last few years and the attendant kind of bile that's poured down upon us, both from the people running the game and the, the, the people in the fringes of it, 
I think I, I I would blame Craig Brown for that, and and I don't say that as a jokey thing. I don't say that lightly. It's he spent his entire tenure as Scotland manager saying, "Well, don't expect much, you know. I mean, we obviously we can't be expected to play good football, and oh, it's probably going to be quite boring, and oh, Estonia is a." It's a tough, tough match for us, and if we scrape a one 0 at home, that'll be doing really well. And I think after a while, you just begin to believe it. And and I think after a while, his performances, the team, the performances of his team became so anemic that they started to believe it too. And I just think if you spend a decade telling people something's shite and they shouldn't get excited about it, you can't be annoyed or surprised when after a while they go, "That's a bit shite," and and I can't be bothered with it. So. That 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 for me was that he had kind of taken away a little bit of the magic because especially international football, absolutely you have to be able to dream a bit and don't tell me that you can't be able to dream a bit about it because my dad's Northern Irish and trust me, the last couple of years and currently he's having a ball. So I think that that got removed and once you took away the romance of it and given especially where Rangers were at the time, that it became very very difficult to continue to to care about it. Then I had other things into it as well. The idea of what is nationalism, you know, where do your politics fit in, the way that I think personally that, that the idea of Scottishness has been hijacked by a fairly virulent and narrow-minded uh, campaign to redefine what it is and who's involved in it. And that puts people off because a lot of members of that campaign are prevalent within the kind of ranks of Scotland support and being a socialist I think nationalism is vile I think I, I think nations really are a bit of a, a construct and I'm the, I don't think there's much difference between me and someone in Sunderland and I don't think an arbitrary border that someone's drawn in a map changes that so I don't hate people because they come from a certain different bit of land from the one that I emanated from and all of that kind of that, and that's a bit again that's a bit kind of you know highfalutin and, and a bit airy-fairy to uh, to draw into whether or not you follow the Scotland national team but I, in the end I, I just I, I don't really care I don't wish ill on them I'm not one of these guys who sits and goes well lol you know when the opposition score uh, unless it's something really fucking funny but no, all joking aside, I, I, I just feel that it doesn't boot me in the balls if Scotland concede the way it does if Rangers do. I don't lie up at night worrying about it. I don't look forward to the next game as soon as the, the previous one's over. I, and I just, I don't want to shake it. I'm too old to waste energy in, in pretending that I care about it. And this isn't unique to us, incidentally. This isn't unique to our country and it isn't unique to us. It's a big, big thing in Italy. There's a lot of fans. Italy's got a, a very strained relationship with nationhood and nationality because, you know, up until the 19th century, it was really just a collection of individual warring states and some parts of it have never really outgrown that. And in England, you get it a lot. The Manchester United in particular, you know, Republic of Mancunia, they, they um, a lot of them do not, see themselves as England supporters. So the idea that this is a particularly Scottish and therefore a particularly Rangers thing, because everything in Scotland's about us, I reject. I think a lot of people are kind of turned off by 
international football and like I say a lot of that's to do with with contemporary social mores a lot of that's to do with your beliefs and how a society should be structured and uh, and then it's not helped when there's a bunch of arseholes wandering about with hats with feathers and them pissing in your doorway that puts you off a little bit as well speaking as an ex-Jolland resident but you know best of luck to them and uh, I don't I don't wish any ill on them nor would I try and hijack it if Scotland were to reach a major tournament I'd be too busy trying to catch the, the, the pigs that were running about my head. But if they did, I wouldn't hijack it and then go, oh, I'm a big Scotland fan all of a sudden, you know? Um, like Homer when the isotopes make it to, to, to the playoffs. But nor would I sit here and say, I hope they get I hope they get pumped because I, I don't. And nor do I do the thing where I transfer and I go, well, I support this other international team. I hope Northern Ireland do well for my dad. Um, I hope that... I don't know, Brazil do well because, you know, I liked their strip when I was growing up, all that kind of thing, but I just, it, it, it's not for me, it's not for me. To me, football, you know, club football with, with my side playing in it, Rangers, is full penetrative sex with a really, really soaking wet bird that'll do pretty much anything, and international football and having to watch that is a really dry wank when you've got cracked hands, so... It'll do the job to a certain extent, but you really, really would, would prefer to be inside the real thing. Big William style. Apt, actually, after that last question. You've rightly been criticising Pena. Do you think he can improve? Comparison could be more Edu, awful in his first six months. Never say that to Scott. Never say that to Scott. Big William style or, or a fight shall ensue. He'll slap you with his glove and uh, d- demand you meet him at 6am and, and not for the reasons that you think. Yeah, of course he can improve. You would assume that for for a guy to go for for two and a half million and and to be scouted, then you'd assume that he's got a bit more about him than he's shown. So, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) We all hope so. Uh, I sincerely hope so. Al Bundy Loyal, if you had a time machine, which one of our former grounds would you like to slay in the flesh? Oh, that's a belter. That's an absolute belter. All of them. Because if I had a time machine, I could go to all of them, couldn't I? And I realise that that's not playing your game. But I don't have to play your game at all. It's my show. No, uh, I'd love to go back to, to the first Ibrox, you know. But then, yeah, would you like to go to Flesher's Hall? Although the counter-argument has been to Flesher's Hall, and I'm sure that uh, it, it didn't look much more spectacular back then. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go back and see the first Ibrox. But even to have been a, in, in a crowd at, at Ibrox, maybe in the 60s, I think when it was packed, must have been some experience, and I'm jealous of the people who were able to do that. Cause you see the photographs; it's astonishing looking, and I would love to be a part of that. Al Bundy Loyal, describe yourself in three words without using the word "shine retiring." Better than you. Barry Richardson, thoughts on the board's performance lately in relation to no statement after beating the staircase banners and kits at £55? I don't think you can expect a, a statement on absolutely everything. I think we're too guilty of that. And I get why. And I, I fall into it too. I'm not criticising anyone here. Because when you're angry, you want them to do something. And if they would just do something and I'd feel a bit better, even if it's utterly pointless, you know? Um, the kind of general melcher approach. The strips at £55, I realise, is controversial. And I can see both sides of the argument. The argument that the club need the money and it's the same prices, slightly less actually in some cases, on what other clubs are are currently selling strips at is absolutely valid. The other argument 
I'm not a parent. If I was the parent of, you know, three kids or wanting a kit, then it's a bit of a pain in the backside. But it's like everything else. If you want to, to buy it, buy it. And if you don't, don't, I think is the, is the key thing. The other thing is it's only going to be in, you know, in fashion for, in fashion. Uh, wouldn't it be great if it was in fashion? Wouldn't it be great if it was a catwalk? Um, Dingwall could be a plus size model. We could have Scott in high heels. It would, uh, it'd be, it would be like he's he's stagged all over again. Actually. But yeah, I, I can understand why we need the money. Beaten, I think they they let it be known what had you know through the media that they were unhappy with it, which is all that they probably could do. I think if we get another one like that, then we we have to start adopting unfortunately the Celtic model and start putting pressure on the referees because at the moment there's been five or six games where we've had match changing decisions go against us counter argument could be our last match Carlos Pena could have been sent off three times and wasn't so that's not evening up over the season but at least it's maybe on the way to so come back to me in a month and I'll see if we've had four stormingly awful decisions go in our favour then then we can talk about it Blue Nose Annie Second of the first 71 aside, yeah. with the luxury of hindsight, what date would you go back to in order to alter the course of RFC's history? When that porno star cunt who devised the EBTs went to walk into David Murray's office, I would like to be there with a cricket bat covered in formaldehyde just to make the thing go a little quicker. Uh, that w- That would be my aim. When Graham Souness was chatting to David Murray and asking him to buy Rangers, I'd like to have been there just with a, a sign up. <laughs> no! So, those would be those non tragedy related ones that I would go back to uh, in order to, to alter the club's history. But you can't. You know, there's no point wishing it. There's no point saying, ah, if only. It is, it is what it is. And we'll just need to make do and try and do as well as we can and, and come through the other side Craig how did Henry McLeish react when the Celtic supporters trust refused to release a joint statement with the RST that's from a story I told in a previous pod just we went into a meeting years ago uh, when I was at the trust and it was various supporters trusts and one of which was the Celtic supporters trust uh, and and they were they were straight, straight from Celtic support or central casting by the way I mean see how see right now how you imagine they looked that was how they looked and literally before the meeting started they stood up and said we would just like to say before this meeting begins hadn't discussed anything yet so it wasn't even that we were saying we're going to release a state of joint statement we hadn't nothing had been discussed they said we would just like to say that we will not take part in any initiatives involving the Rangers supporters trust and McLeish just kind of looked at us like that and we just gave him the you know, shrugged and said, "Well, what can we do?" Um, so afterwards, he came up to me, and and funnily enough, I did an event with him years later, just talking about the future of Scottish football. Long after I'd left the trust, and we were both on a panel, and he remembered it, and I said, "That that's what we were dealing with." He was like, "Yeah, I know," and he goes, "You you just have to throw your your hands up and say, here we are to try and promote." togetherness and fans working together to get a better deal for supporters regardless of which team that they they follow and there are people who, who just can't leave who can't leave their prejudice at the door and that that's what it was it's they couldn't leave their hatred at the door they couldn't be bigger people they couldn't 
just say, right, over and above all this tribal stuff, at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all fans, let's get the best deal for fans. And you don't even have to like other people that you work with. But I do think that it tees into that kind of Celtic football club mindset of the pointless staged sacrifice, if you will, the grand gesture that achieves nothing but just lets everybody know exactly what you are and what you're thinking uh, and and how unpleasant that you are, which you do to satisfy some strange, needy sense of oppression that everyone's out to get you. Well, in a situation like that, maybe less people would be out to get you if you didn't act like such a cunt. That's just a free piece of advice from me. So, yeah, we, we just laughed. But as usual in these circumstances, it made us look great because we didn't look like mental cases. So, which, you know, we weren't. Or even if we were, we had the fucking sense to hide. But they, they never they never bothered going down that route. Blue Sky 54, as you're from Ayrshire, world known for its golf courses, have you ever tried the wonderful game? No, I've always thought that golf is a game for men who've never made a woman come and women who have. So, uh, I I've just never quite saw the point of it. Uh, if I want to dress up like an arsehole and wave a stick about playing with balls, it's going to have a significantly more fun and stickier ending than wandering about a golf course in the rain. So, uh, I'm only kidding, you know, yes, as a kid, not not a golf ball about the with the best of them well not with the best of them with the worst of them I was shite at it which probably got a lot to do with it but it just I never really got it uh, I'm going to go out and walk for five hours and you'd remember that you know I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic I, I, from the age of 14 if I had leisure time and you said let's spend five hours not drinking then I wasn't up for that at all so that, that really I, I wasn't interested in that uh, Chris Jones recently watched that SSN interview from after Leon. Is there anything that would get you back on the drink? Hopefully not. <laughs> I hope not. I'm not planning on it, but uh, it's not something I, I think I've done. I, I think I've done my drink. I've done a fair bit of it. I drank every day with the exception of three I can remember for 14 years. So I think I've actually done a lifetime's worth of drinking. I just put it all into a shorter, a shorter space of time. Craig Core, if you had the chance to have any living X-Rangers player on the pod for a Q&A session, who would you pick and why? It would have to be Ali, but it would be a very much a two-parter. And the first one would be about his playing days and you would hear Fanboy David and I would just be totally in awe. And then the second one, I'd sort of take off that hat and put on my, you know, you signed Kevin Kyle hat and we'd have to talk about his managerial career so it would be a real game of two halves and I think that Ali would be fine with the first one and not very keen on taking part in the second one because it's something I think Ali should do and it's something I think he should put himself through because it won't be a pleasant experience and I understand that and he doesn't have to now now he can make his career for the next X amount of years telling stories about the time Gaza and him went fishing and all that kind of stuff but I think he owes the Rangers support answers to a lot of questions that kind of still puzzle us. That's the thing. It just, just puzzle us about his approach and 
the things he did as a manager and I would love to see him sit down it's something that again I moan a lot about the press coverage in this country because this is something that the fans desperately want and they will never do they would never ever ask Ali about any of this stuff they wrote about it in their columns so it's not like they don't know it exists they wrote about it on an almost daily basis but they would never ever sit down with Ali because they wouldn't want to upset him and I think that that's part of the kind of incestuous relationship between Scottish football and journalism and Scottish football. And I think that a lot of it is to do with the fact that, believe it or not, I don't think they see themselves as journalists in what you or I would consider the meaning of that word and what we would believe constitutes being a journalist. I think that they see themselves not as part of the media industry, but as part of the football industry, like an essential part of the football industry in in this country and they've got it wrong their job is to report the news and it happens to be they're working in that sector it's no different from somebody who's working as the industrial correspondent for a newspaper or the science correspondent for a newspaper but they don't see it as that they see themselves as part of the football community and that's wrong and that's why you don't get questions that you want answered answered that's why you get the the bizarre things of these fire and brimstone columns and then when the person who's written that column has the opportunity to ask the target of that column the questions he's raised in that column, he will not do it. And therefore you get the situation where fans are left puzzling and wondering and, and increasingly turned off. And I think that that helps explain the growth of fan media, be it the likes of what we do, be it blogging, be it... Um, video blogging, anything at all, I I think that that gap that they've left, that huge gap, because that's actually what people are interested in. They contend themselves with the stuff they're interested in, the soap opera bullshit, the manager says this, and then you get a week of headlines out of one line in a press conference that no supporter gives a flying fuck about. They care about that, so that's what they write about. But we don't. And... It pleases me that in that space that they have left, which you could mark things fans are interested in, we have started to go, okay, then, well, if you're not going to do it, we'll do it ourselves. And, hey, we might not do as good or as professional a job as the the professionally trained and, and paid media people, but at least we're trying. And we are far more responsive. And I know not, not just from what we do, but from other people who are involved and as I say, podcasting, blogs, video, all that kind of stuff, that we are far more responsible in the in the kind of fan media community than the press are. That if, if supporters come to us and say, we like supporters, and I, I suppose show supporters, I don't think that's an unfair term. I apologise if, if anyone's offended by it, because I support those podcasts I love and I'll support through um, various methods, whatever, you know, buying products or whatever, going to a live show. So I think that we are far more receptive to what people who listen to our stuff like. And if someone says to me, have you thought about covering this? I, I will take it on board. I know I joke about it, but I will take it on board and go, yeah, okay, yeah, that's, that's a good idea. And because we've had a bit more space this season because of the going to the extra show and, and the freedom that it's given it and me having more time to do it, then... I hope that you're starting to see that we're doing that, that we're taking things where people have said to us, you should do this. Uh, This show, this episode is a case in point of that. that I did one once because 
someone had said, or a few people had said, this would be quite good. And people liked it. They came back. Feedback was good. So we keep doing it. I don't believe that happens to any significant extent in the media. And it's a weird relationship. They think that they should define what the media is in this country. I don't get that at all because worldwide, it's consumers who determine what the media is. And it's no coincidence that in Scotland, both their sales and their relevancy are plummeting at a rate they can't stop because they won't do anything innovative to try and stop it. And instead they do what they've always done and they're continuing to do that and it'll be ever diminishing circles uh, until eventually they are about as relevant as someone who writes reviews of 25-year-old Tour de France footage for a blog. So fair enough, it's, it's their call. David Neal, with the amount of material gained over the last five years, would you consider writing another book as a follow-up? Follow up? I like that extra follow-up, it's quite clever. I, I don't know, I don't think so, in all honesty, because it, it was a weird thing that for years I'd always wanted to write a book and I'd written a lot of stuff for Mark, Mark's fanzine, and I'd written for various music magazines and, and, and different things, and I'd always enjoyed it and loved it, and then... I sat and I wrote my book and it took me six weeks doing it full time to write it and when I was done I've never ever had the urge to to write a, a book again it was a, almost like it was boom done that's it I, I get like that I, I get very into an idea and then once I've done it I've done it and I'm I'm happy and I just move on and at the moment I don't believe I've got it in me to, to sit and to do it uh, I don't think that I have it to be able to sit down and give you 70,000 words that are good and therefore there's, there's no point doing it, I'm proud of the first book it, it's good and yes I'm very arrogant and yeah, but it is good, I know it's good and I know that I've been spoken to people that they enjoyed it and it, arrogance goes both ways I know the first one is good and I strongly suspect the second one wouldn't be, so until that changes then no Tino, Ryan Jack's discipline concerning, it has to be, yes, it has to be, because this is the time to stamp down on it, if you'll excuse the slightly awful pun. This is the time that the manager needs to take him aside and say, you are no use to us in, in that stand, absolutely none, and that you are an important player for us and you're doing well. Do not screw it up by starting to miss matches, because it's it's pointless. I'll cut my bit of slack for the red card at Hamilton. I think it was stupid to go in for that second tackle, being on a yellow, but I do think that the pitch had an effect on it. So everyone's allowed an aberration, and everyone's allowed a legit sending off, by which I mean, you know, you make a tackle in the 15th minute and one in the 80th minute. That'll happen to, to a lot of footballers, and especially if you're centre mid and you're expected to tackle. So... That's something that, that the manager will address, I'm sure, with him. And, yeah, it, it just... I hope someone takes him aside and says, you're important to us, we need you out on that field. And take the responsibility. Uh, a lot of people, as we tend to do with, with players, are, are starting to say, oh, maybe a future captain. And, and I can see it. He's got previous captaincy experience. And, you know, okay... This is this would be being captain in a proper football club, but even so, you know, it's I, I accept that being captain in Aberdeen and then being captain at Rangers is a bit like then saying, 
oh well he could climb the Himalayas because he climbed a climbing frame in school but it's still something that that we want to look at and we want him to have a long and successful career for us so yeah just just the exception being is if we're winning comfortably in an old firm game or losing heavily in an old firm game if you want to take someone out and take a three game Orion yeah I'll 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 write you a note excusing you for it Dale McClatchy if you could put one ex-player in the current squad who would it be and why it would be oh fucking hell man Oh, that's a that's a. It'd be Brian Loudrop. Let's just cut to the chase. It would be Brian Loudrop because he would win as the league single-handedly. Yes, even even with the, the other ten that we've got around him, he was that good. He was just, and I loved watching him. And the best thing about Brian Loudrop, I could say, is that you didn't take him for granted, even at the time, because it's it's so easy when you're in the middle of something to to not appreciate it for what it fully is you know to not appreciate the wonder of it and it only in time do you realise how special it was but I don't think that we did realise how special he was we did know how amazing he was and we loved him for it so I think that it's no slight on any other Rangers player for me to say that out of Brian Lowe's up there in a heartbeat and uh, a whole new generation of people could swoon over him because you know he was so handsome. Robert Fulton, what does next year hold for Club 1872 and what way can it reach out to more fans? Well, I don't know what it's got for it. I don't, I'm not involved in it, so that's not some, uh, something I know. And I'm sure it'll have its own plans to, to try and reach out and improve communication. It's always difficult for a group, and I, I do need to cut them some slack there, that it's, it's always difficult for fans group in terms of communication with with supporters because you're not full time doing it. You know, you do this on top of your job or your or your daily life or your family, etc. And it would be lovely if you could run everything past everyone, but it just doesn't matter. All I think you can ask for from a fans group is that for the next year it continues to fight for the issues that matter to the support. That's its job, over and above everything else. And continues to at least make attempts to communicate with the support uh, I think they make mistakes I try not to be too, too critical of those mistakes because there is no playbook for this, there is no how to manual and I know from personal experience how difficult it is you need to try and I learned this late on in my time at the Trust and maybe a little too late is that you need to develop a thick skin and not respond to absolutely every piece of criticism and also be able to sort out valuable constructive criticism from the other because you do need a tough hide or you wouldn't be able to get anything done but you still need to be able to say alright that's a load of pish that's just somebody moaning for the sake of it but this guy here what he's saying this is valid and although this is maybe uncomfortable for for us to admit this we do need to do this better this is something we could improve upon so it takes a lot of, it, it takes a, a lot of skill and humility and vision to be able to do all of that so it's a tough tough job for anyone and i wish them the best because if they're doing well it's because they're doing what the fans need them to do and if they're doing what the fans need them to do then they're absolutely fulfilling the fulfilling the criteria for being for being a fans group and, and more credit to them for that 
Jack Hutchinson, do you think Rangers will ever play outside of Scottish football, i.e. European Super League, EPL, etc.? And if so, how well would we do? I don't think we'll ever play in England. I've never thought we would play in England. I think it's an absolutely dead idea. I don't think anyone in England needs or wants it, and therefore it's not going to happen. So it's 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 not I, I it's not possible. Short of something, short of a civil war up here, where it's it's dangerous for us to to play games. It's it's just never going to happen. Um, a European league is always a, a possibility and I think that you're seeing some machinations by the top clubs in England at the moment to get more money with the usual threats of well we'll go off and do our own thing and that's why you can't rule out things like a European Super League or an Atlantic League or any other rest of it because you never know what is going to, to kick things off between certain clubs and then the butterfly effect that that will have because you know if English clubs if the top six English clubs do break off and they form a European Super League then well then that does change it maybe then there is such a thing as a British League or maybe then it's a you know a kind of Northern European League you don't you, you don't know so I don't see us ever playing just straightforwardly joining the English League and then going up it and being a club in the English League can I see us in some sort of amalgam of us Dutch, Dutch Danish, you know that kind of thing. Yes, of course, there's there's a real there's a real potential for that. I don't see it at the moment. It will take something to change somewhere in the structure of how European football is set up, and not necessarily in Britain. It'll, it'll take something big changing. I don't see it happening in the next decade, can I put it that way? I don't think I'd be planning out those those trips to Amsterdam for, for Friday night matches on BT just yet. Richard Love. Your name is Dick Love. Um, I hope that's your real name because that's... Because you must be hard as fuck if you got through school with that name. Uh, would you ever consider a live Q&A in London? Well, I would if you did, if you asked me, Richard, because you know obviously what I previously just said. Um, it would have to be financially viable, so that's that's the problem with it. So it, it's not financially worth dragging me and, and a couple of others or whoever down to England with travel, accommodation, and then potentially maybe you know twenty people turn up and we come back up the road the next day and it's just been a kind of soul destroying experience. So we'd consider doing one anywhere if it's financially viable. And and so long as Scott doesn't have to fly to it because he thinks that uh, he thinks that planes are are basically death tubes. So yeah, John Orfwasier or Orfwasier, John with a funny second name. What changes in future would you like to see at stadium, museums, Edmondson House, more design fan zones, surrounding area, etc.? Yeah, I think the stuff you mentioned. I think a museum would be great. I think a, a really big nice place where you could go with kids but also get a beer uh, for the grown-ups would be fantastic and even if it was just some sort of huge marquee that they could put outside and just if somewhere where people could go get a beer and a seat uh, and their kids could get a hot dog and a coke and you know there could be activities going on you can you can monetize stuff like that if you're the club because you've got a captive audience who are already well disposed to you and you've got them in a good setting. 
so I think that kind of thing would be would be useful. I think if anybody's ever been to um American Stadia, they'll know what I mean by this, that there's so much to do in it. There's there's a, there are always museums, there are always kiddie zones, there are always, you know, bars and restaurants, there's even shops and stuff. They are remarkable. So I think that there there is a lot of scope for for us to improve in that the issue as always is that it will have an uh, an initial startup cost that startup cost is quite a lot and can take a while to recoup so unless you're recouping it very very unless you're recouping it some or you've got the ability to say we won't recoup this for five years but we'll make money it, it's quite difficult and at a time when we need to focus on getting a better product on the pitch then unfortunately things that are good ideas and, and should be done might take a little bit longer to do. Captain Miserable. On a scale of one to Richard Osman, how pointless is the international break? Uh, I like I like that question. That's well put, Captain Miserable. I, I think I kind of spoke about that earlier on, but uh, I, I'm never sad to see it finish. Right, can I just put it that way? Colin Carstairs. If you could change anything at board level, what would it be? Uh, oh, I would make, and this is genuine, I would make the board of directors make away trips on awkward nights with supporters buses. So, for instance, if we're playing Ross County, you know, on a Friday night, I think that they should make that journey. And I think then they would get a better understanding of just what it is that drives the support and the level to which these people are invested in the club. And then they would get an idea of just how great the responsibility is that, that they have. But from a practical point of view, I would look at our PR as always. I think that that's something that needs to be that needs to be improved. I think desperately need to look at fan engagement because I think that there is a feeling of even if it's subconscious, there is a feeling of well, the the fans they'll always turn up, and I think in an increasingly competitive marketplace for for people's leisure money, that's not always the case. And I think that they have to remember that people can feel that they are a Rangers fan and they buy a calendar and they buy a strip for their kid and they go to two matches a year. And they are still a supporter. I'm not criticising anyone who does that. But I think if the board, and they can sometimes fool themselves with their thinking, is that everyone is a go-to-every-game I'll buy tickets for all the friendlies, I'll buy the strips and the drag suits and everything that comes out the day it comes out. And they need to realise that there is a far less engaged level of supporter and probably a lot more of them and we need to try and move them. Uh, people who work in marketing will know about segmentation and the Bill Hicks lines that are currently being spat at machines. Uh, being used to listen to this, but we need to move everybody up one. We need to move people from casual supporter into active supporter. We need to move people from um, someone who you know w- would say they had a fondness for the club into the role of casual supporter and, and start to monetize everybody if we can. And that's why you need a really, really crack marketing team. And it's also incidentally why you need a PR team who don't just focus on negative stories. Um, PR is both ways PR is not just fighting the negative it's promoting the positive and that's something I think we struggle very badly at Rangers do astonishingly good community and charity work and it does not get the focus that it deserves and I think that that's a failing on our part because especially when you know that the media is is preternaturally 
predisposed against you, then you have to you have to then force your way out there with your story. And I don't think we do, unfortunately, at the moment. So that, that would be something that I would look at. This next one comes from Grant. What are your thoughts on our future with a director of football? Are you content with one guy, a newcomer to the club, being able to pick players, managers, etc.? Common abroad, but can it work here? Of course it can work here, because the idea that anything from abroad shouldn't be at least looked at, considering how much more successful football in the continent is compared to us, I think is is not one we can we can afford to entertain. It's, we've got to, absolutely got to look at things that work. And uh, I've always thought that the director of football role is very sensible where you have a guy who heads up recruitment and heads up contracts, etc. And you have a coach who coaches the players, which should be their strength. I think in Britain we are kind of enthralled to the cult of the manager and the sort of dad figure that everyone can look to and say, you know, he'll make sure everything's all right. And when it works, a la Walter, it's fantastic. And when it doesn't work, a la Warburton, you see the flaws in it. So... It's a lot of power for one guy, you're absolutely right there. I don't know enough about Mark Allen and we haven't seen enough from him yet to know whether or not he's he's doing a good job. But the idea of somebody having that remit is, is just sensible. The buck needs to stop with someone. And I, I think once you start to run things by committee, you can get into a lot of trouble because nobody takes blame and everybody wants to claim credit and you end up with a sort of mishmash of stuff that doesn't really work. You need someone to say, it's it's my testicles are on the are on the chopping block and these are my decisions and I stand or fall by them. Jean, in terms of personality, friendliness and demeanour, who have been your favourite and least likeable Rangers players that you've met? Uh, likeable ones, Stephen Davis, very nice, very helpful, Nacho Novos, obviously a, a pretty decent guy. Uh, Kevin Thompson, of course, you know, a pod legend. Um, I, I, it's then tough to least likeable because I'm going to bury guys and they don't really have a have a right to reply. There were people that, unfortunately I've never had an experience with any Rangers player being out now awful to either me personally or to a group I was involved in but I've seen examples of bad behaviour. There are infamously people who who you maybe would book for, a, for an event and they would turn up and they would either hold you up for more money or they wouldn't deliver the type of performance that they had promised or that you had paid them for, or they would get very belligerent and they would be cause hassle on the night. And I think, as I'm saying this, this might have brought back memories for other people who've organised Rangers nights before about a certain ex-player and that should tell you who that ex-player is but I'm not going to I'm going to prick tease you a little here I'm not going to say it because it's it's just burying the guy and you read from time to time that things are different with him and I, I sincerely hope they are uh, out and out nicest actually is Marvin Andrews who's just brilliant the guy is just so happy he's just over the moon and about life in general and about meeting people and he's friendly and he can't do enough for you and yeah Marvin Andrews great guy William Lothian do you still get a lot of shite from the media and other football fans even though you've taken a, a step back from the front line you get it less or I get it less 
in public than I used to. Well, that might be due to the fact that I don't spend as much time in public as I used to. So that's maybe one of the benefits of retiring. When your mug's on the telly, you know, once or twice a week, then yes, I suppose you. I did get it a lot more back then. I don't get a lot of shite from the media now. No, I've I've got to say in general that, that most of them are, are very... Uh, the the ones that are aware of, of who we are are generally quite decent towards us. Um, I have to say that because I don't think they see what we're doing as having any impact on them. Which is fine that the pod does exist in its own in its own world, and they don't really see it as being a problem. Whereas in the old days, they kind of saw it as stepping on their toes. They were very much, you know, who are these guys to be coming along and telling us what we're doing wrong or telling us what we should put in our newspapers and uh, that that was always a thing that pissed me off people said I'd have chipped my shoulder when I was at Trust and I did and it was because of that attitude and it came from the club it came from other clubs and it came from the media and it was uh, who the fuck do you think you are and I'm like I'm a supporter uh, and I, I, I'm a supporter I put money into this business where you just take it out and how dare you suggest that I don't have the right to, to voice to voice my opinion and the opinion that that thousands of other people are telling us that they want put forward that you won't deal with and I remember tearing an absolute strip off Bain one time when he he sort of alluded to that and he said well you know we we have to limit obviously the input that, that fans have into this I can't even remember what project it was and I went loopy and just who the fuck do you think you are kind of thing and it was one of those situations where you know it was kind of nose to nose and, and people intervening Um, it was you know, they just they didn't get it, and it wasn't that they didn't want to hear from supporters. They actually resented it. In terms of getting crap from other football fans, social media, there is a part of every social media platform that is a cesspool, and and it will sink into that the kind of lowest form of scum, and they will try and annoy you. And generally speaking, um, I call it my craft work device. If if they annoy me, it's autoban, and just never hear from them again. I've got no interest. I've got no interest in sitting point scoring for hours with some belligerent Tim with six followers on Twitter because that's what they live for. They live to get up the noses of Rangers supporters because of their, uh, you know, deserved and and continually, continually proven inferiority complex. And I I just don't have the time or the inclination to humour them. So, this is where being arrogant can can be quite good. It's like, you don't deserve my time. And that's why it's just block and get to. And I don't really bother. I don't really bother with them. Whereas, with, with Rangers fans, I think even the ones that are critical, generally speaking, it's, it's quite constructive. And generally speaking, people will say... I didn't like when you said that or I didn't like when you said that. But the good thing about the show is that you have to go and get it. You have to download it. I think it's difficult to stumble across the podcast. Whereas I do understand that when I was doing the media and it would be Radio Scotland one night, reporting Scotland the next, you know, Scotland Today on the Wednesday, phone in on uh, phone in on Real Radio on the Thursday and then there would be quotes from me in stories and papers on the Tuesday and on the Friday I understand why people got fed up with me I really really do and I would have got I did, I got fed up with me 
um, by the end up I was sick of my own voice the, the time that I knew I had to stop doing the supporters trust and stop being involved in it and completely stop not just take a step back or take a time out or you know move to a different job and I just had to get out of it as I just started seeing Sally who's my wife now and we were in Liverpool because we'd gone to do the Beatles weekends you can do you can stay at the Beatles hotel and um, go around, you know, and see where they lived, and go to Strawberry Fields and everything. And Sal and I, huge Beatles fans, so it was it was fa- fantastic. And we were going under the magical mystery to our bus there, and my phone rang, and I looked at it, and I went, oh, fuck. And I just I, I hung up and put it in my pocket, and then it went again, same thing. And then I just looked, and I had like twenty messages. Shut my phone, turned it off, put it in my pocket, and Sally went, "What's wrong?" And I said, "No, it's nothing. It's just something happened with Rangers, and there's like, you know." 10 journalists getting in touch with me for a quote and I just, I can't be bothered and she looked at me and said, well, isn't it supposed to be fun, don't you get a buzz off doing that and I said, no I don't, uh, I just it's a pain, I resent having to to take the shit that's going to follow because I'll give my opinion and then there'll be, and it, it'll lead to about a week's worth of stuff and I thought, no, this wasn't who I was before I loved doing this and I loved fighting for it and I realised I was burnt out and I realised I had nothing that I could contribute in a positive way to Rangers. And therefore, what was the point of me doing it? Because all I was doing was getting in the way of someone who could come and do the job I was doing and do it better and take it on and be the the spokesperson for the organisation. And that's when I made the decision. And the Monday I I called the rest of the board and said, "That's, that's me done. Because... I had always got into it to try and provide a voice for people like me who at the time I thought didn't have one and I always wanted to do things that I thought could help Rangers and when I was getting to the stage where it was a burden because I knew deep down I couldn't and I would say that's when you start to say things for the wrong reason that's when you start to not say what needs saying because you're worried about the reaction or you just can't be arsed with the reaction and I was done and it was time to go and I think I, I think I got it right I think I got out before that had happened and before I did start to do a bad job which would have been terrible That because I'd be letting you down I'd be letting all of you down and that was the, the sleepless nights aspect about it I couldn't give a flying fuck what some Tim thinks about what I said about anything you know what I mean that day will never come where I care what they think about what I say but if Rangers fans have been let down or disappointed by something I did then that that wasn't something I could live with very comfortably and that was why I decided to to get out of it and the pod just came about because I wanted to have some fun uh, that that's if if people say about the the tone of the pod, that it's always managed to you know be funny and have a laugh and stuff, and it was because I wanted to do that. I thought it would be fun. I hoped it would be worth listening to, and I'm glad that so many of you seem to think that it is, and I, I'm so grateful, and I really appreciate it, because I don't look for validation from a lot of people. I'm an arrogant bastard, right? And you know the whole cliche of, uh, well, you know, to love someone, you've got to love yourself. Not a problem for me. But I really, really, really fucking don't want to let you guys down. And I really, really don't want to let down my dad and my granddad and 
as as dad and the generations of Rangers supporters and the generations of Rangers supporters in your house and I don't want to be an embarrassment and I don't want to do things that will provide ammunition to hurt you or me or the club. It's just not something I wanted to do. And if that the pod ever gets into that territory where it's becoming self-parodying or self-pitying or it becomes so full of its own importance that it somehow thinks that it's anything other than a minor footnote and a appendix of a book about Rangers, then then tell me and I'll wrap it. But I'd like to think that I wouldn't be deluded enough not not to know when that happens. Kind of accidentally, I've gotten one of my speeches at the end of the pod, and and I do know that people kind of sort of have come to expect them at the end of the show and one thing is I I don't want to hide that because I never want to lie to you I never ever want to come on here with a a well rehearsed piece of text and read it out to you just so that people say oh that that was great at the end the one thing I can always promise uh, with with 100% sincerity and accuracy is that, that this pod is honest and it's legitimate and and we don't lie to you and I don't think about what I'm going to say because you will be able to tell because you will say he wrote that down and what was the point of that and there's no feeling in it and you could you can hear it I think um I'm not a trained actor and I think you would be able to spot when I was at it so I just love Rangers Football Club I love the supporters of Rangers Football Club I love our history, I love our traditions I love who we are, I love what we stand for I love the fact that they tried to kill us and we just got right fucking back up and came at them I like the fact that they've tried laughing at us and we're still coming I like the fact that they've tried to scare us and we're still coming and I like the fact that there's nothing that they can do to us that's going to stop us fucking coming for them and at this point, by the way, I realise I'm swearing like a trooper and, and you know, uh, my articulacy has gone out the window and I could not give a fuck. This thing that we're a part of is so unbelievably fantastic and powerful that it 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 gives us so much more than anyone can possibly imagine. And that's why I get maybe a bit too involved. That's why you get a bit too involved. And you know what? Don't ever, ever change. Don't ever change. Just keep doing it. Keep driving us on. And it is that power. Right at the start, someone asked, do you think that you know, we'll win 55? Yeah. Because of us. And nothing they can do is going to stop us coming for them. And whether it be 2019 or 2029, 55 is going to come. And when 55 comes then it will be, yep, down to the players and the staff, but not really. It will be down to every single one of you who, from the moment that your dad, your mum took you and said, it's the Rangers for you, that you fought and battled and kicked and scratched to keep us where we should be. And thanks for letting me be a part of it. Thanks for listening to me when I witter on about it. And just thanks for being a bear. Doesn't get any better than that. I'm going to stop uh, stop coming in your ear with all my nonsense and uh, just to let you all uh, know that we'll be back later in the week with our with our uh, preview show now that the international week is over 
And thank you, executive producer in London, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. My name is David Edgar. I am a Ranger supporter. I love you all. I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye. Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.